This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This podcast is proudly in association with HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a subscription-based meal kit company that delivers amazing recipes straight to your door. On the app, you'll be able to choose your weekly recipes to meal plan your week. They deliver fresh ingredients straight to your door to make the recipes that have carefully been selected. With step-by-step recipe cards, there's no need to be a chef to cook delicious meals. You have full flexibility on what meals you get and when you get them. It's easy to add extra portions, change recipes, modify your delivery time or pause your deliveries. We are also delighted to offer a 60% discount to West Ham fans on the first box and then a 25% discount on the following two months when you use the code West Ham Way in capital letters. So download the HelloFresh app or visit the website www.hellofresh.co.uk forward slash West Ham Way to get these delicious, easy to make meals sent straight to your door. Hello Fresh, dinner is solved. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself Dave Walker, an XWHU employee. At last, we have a win to talk about. The first win of 2024, and one that belonged to Jared Honor, who got his first career hat-trick. We talk about his performance, the impact of Paqueta's return, Dinos coming in, Emerson's contribution, some rare praise for Suchek, Everton at the weekend, and Europa League excitement before getting news from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. At last, we have a positive result to talk about. A first win for David Moyes in 2024. And it's come against a bit of a bogey club for West Ham in Brentford. What did you think of the performance? Well, you know why it happened, don't you? (laughs) Do you know what, right? Before (laughs) we go any further, I do know why it happened. (laughs) And it's so funny that you said... (laughs) I'm going to say what you were going to say now, right? There are two people who deserve the credit for that win more than anyone else. And that's me and you, because oh, last yeah. week, and credit to you, it was your idea, due to superstition, we changed the ending of our podcast from Come On You Irons to Up The Hammers, and it worked. So listen, we're not going to make a big deal out of it, but if it wasn't for us, West Ham would still be winless this year. Hashtag the same. Well, what do you mean? We're not making a big deal about it. I've already bit the open top bus for tomorrow. If anyone wants to turn up, we're going from your house all the way down to, the, to New York. Yeah. Hall and we'll yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if we get a similar turnout to the um, post-Prague celebrations. Well, well, you would hope so. You know, people have been that unhappy with West Ham and the performances. <laughs> We've broke the curse. So yeah. you, would hope, you would hope so. It's significant. <laughs> um, to be honest, yeah. if, if ever there was a parade based on relief, 
I think it would it would be a sellout, wouldn't it? Because yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was last yeah. night. When it oh but yeah. What do you think? Well, it, I, if you read what I said on the West Ham Way website, you know the www.thewesthamway.com on that website, I um, so Mark Carlob always asks, you know, mine and your opinion before a game and after a game, and I mm. said in my preview that it's so important that we start well because of the the toxic nature of West Ham's fan base at the moment, and I, I, I'm getting to the point where. I I can't. I, well, I was getting to the point. I actually went on it last night. Where I can't even go on social media anymore because it's just people pushing this negative agenda the whole time. Like, sometimes it's the same accounts going every hour almost. Anyway, uh, it was so important for West Ham to get off to a good start, and we couldn't mm. have started better. You know, we got two very early goals. Tight, we were pressing. We were closing down. There was high um, energy, and I thought it was a really, really great start to the game. And that was the key thing for us because it settled the nerves it settled the fans and it meant that we then enabled were able to play I think the fact that Pakatar was named in the starting 11 whether it was too early or not I don't know he didn't actually contribute that much I thought he played well but you know obviously other players are more significant but just having his name on the team sheet was the first boost and then to start that way was the second and I think it was so important that we did that and it was a good performance. You know, there's still things to take from it. The defence is still a bit dodgy. The, the defence was sitting up high. We had a high line to start with, which was helping us. And then for no reason at all, it started to drop deeper and deeper and deeper again. And that's what they scored from. And I actually questioned this a bit with people that would know within the club. Apparently, it's what Moyes goes on about over and over and over again. Why is the defence dropping so deep? So with that, you have to put the blame on Kurt Zuma, I would say, as captain and as the sort of the senior centre back there. But that's a, that's a negative. Let's concentrate on the positives. It was a great attacking game. I thought it was a very entertaining game. You know, that's something that's been criticised recently. Mm. And I thought the fluidity between the front three was brilliant. I thought Thomas Suchek had a very, very good game. You know, <laughs> some good goals great goal by Emerson obviously and yeah happy days it's nice to see a positive West Ham performance and I hope the key now is for that to be the basis to kick on and get our form back because the league table you know we're sitting you know seventh only on goal uh, sorry eighth only on goal difference to Brighton in seventh seventh gets your European spot again so the league table and the European draw means we're in a good position if we can kick on now it's it's, it's good it'll be a yeah. good, hopefully be a good season and consistency is key now. And we are approaching such an important part of the season where consistency is going to make or break us, I think. Uh, and we'll come to, to the next game shortly. But I don't know, it just seemed like Moyes grew a, a set of bollocks, really, last night. I, I don't know if there were specific instructions where things were different. I know you can talk about Lucas coming back into the side, which gives everyone a massive lift. But, um, I mean, finally, he made a change to the centre-half pairing, which was overdue, I think. Uh, we started incredibly well. Pressing was excellent, like you say. I think we showed intent, scored two early goals. We don't start well enough, often enough, so it was good to see that. Was a bit nervy at times when it was 2-1. I think at that point, the next goal was going to be crucial, but thankfully it came from us. And ultimately, we scored four goals and won the game. Happy days. Mm. Um, it was a night that, of course, belonged to Jared Bowen, who scored his first ever hat-trick, and that puts him on 14 Premier League yeah. goals at this stage of the season. Mm. I mean, considering he's now just seven goals away from hitting 20 goals for us, mm. can we seriously think about prioritising a striker in the summer? Because surely yeah. we've already got one. It's a very good question. I mean, I think the thing with Bowen recently, and it's how much of this is down to the injury. I don't think the last sort of three, four games, he's actually done particularly well. Um, and it could be harsh because he was on the back of an injury. And I do suspect he was probably rushed back quicker than perhaps he would have been if he'd played for a club, not in the situation with the, uh, that we're in and with greater squad depth. But yeah, I mean, he's what, is he third, I think, in the scoring sheet uh, out of all the players? Yeah, I think Harlan's top and... And Salah's second. Salah's second, yeah. Third. Unbelievable. yeah. Exactly. So when you look at it like that, well, well, then no, you don't need another striker. He's the man to continue there. And bearing in mind, this is his first season sort of really playing there. You know, obviously he did a bit last year, but this is the first season where he's been the main, sort of the main man as such. You know, things can only get better. He's still young. You know, both of his finishes 
with his left foot, um, and then with a header. You know, so it's a range of different finishes. Um, mm. I thought I thought he played really, really well, and he took his chances really well. And you know, scoring a hat trick is only going to lead him to have a massive confidence boost, and hopefully he'll continue to go on and score those goals. And I do think we need another striker. I think we'd be I think we'd be stupid to because of what happens if he gets injured. You know, I don't, mm. Antonio is on the brink of not being worth keeping at the moment. I, I like what happened. He didn't, I just don't think he did very well yesterday, but I like the fact that he'd be an impact sub now, hopefully for 20, 25 minutes. But I think Mabama, there's question marks whether he's ready or not. Danny Ings is... I think we've got to try and get rid of him in the summer if we can. So I do think we need to sign a new striker. But whether that striker needs to be a a top, top money striker to be our main guy or not, then I'm not sure you could get someone that could come in as a sort of a younger, more rawer version of Bowen that you can hopefully develop as well. But I would say that other positions at the moment, because of Bowen, are sort of more of a priority. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jared is just ripping up trees and he looks so comfortable in that position as well. He's such a good player. I love him on the wing and I love him up front. So he's got that versatility. But I just think also, I think if you play Jared on the wing, then it kind of forces even Mo or Lucas to play out of position. Whereas if you play Jared up front, you can play Mo right wing, who's going to cause devastation because I absolutely love him as a player. Um, and then you can play Lucas as a number 10. And then I think you have to prioritise a shit-hot left winger. If we can get a shit-hot a shit left winger to play alongside those players, we become one hell of a force in that final third, don't we? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah we've got to talk about centre-halves as well. But you mm. get that left wing position right... Fuck me, there ain't many sides in the Premier League better, is there? No, not going forward. And this is why when everyone was, you know, throwing daggers at David Moyes and baying for blood, any team that had Bowen, Kudos and Pakatar out injured or not match fit would suffer any team you know because they're such good players you know Pakatar there's a reason he's been linked with Brazil I'm sorry linked with Man City and a Brazilian international the kudos you know I don't need to sell him or Bowen to listeners of this show so any club would be affected by those three being out. And I, you know, I, I don't want to go on about it too much because I, I think it's just such a toxic situation and I'll get people screaming at me because they won't want to hear different. But I, that would have affected anyone. And now, the fact that there's, it's not a coincidence that those three are all back, and I still don't think Pakatar was 100% fit, and I'm not even sure if Bowen and Kudos are 100% fit yet. But when you have those three 100% of firing on all cylinders, that is a great forward three. It really, really is. And and that's why I was prepared to give more time to the manager until he got them back and, and look what's happened. They've they've performed like that. The key is they have to perform like that again against Everton. We need to go to that game and we need to set up exactly how we did in terms of adrenaline, high-pressing, high-energy when we play them and hopefully we'll get a result. It is annoying that they've just had that boost of having some of their points um, given back to them but still we are a better team and we should be going there looking to win and yeah like you said get another top left winger in there get a, a good forward that can step in for Bowen when needed and then that forward line looks looks very very impressive your priorities then switch to you know maybe another central midfielder and sorting out the defence I think mm. I mean it is a concern though that we can be that bad when we lose someone like Paqueta I oh, mean, definitely. You know, but, you expect us to be off our game, but we've been fucking atrocious without That's the Bumpire. squad depth, though, isn't it? Because then you've, you, uh, when he's been out, you've tried to bring in Fournals and Ben Rama and stuff, and neither of those were able to get anywhere near the standards of Pakatar. So, yes, it is a concern, but unfortunately, that is the difference between a Brazilian international on the books, on the radar of the probably the best club in the world, um, and someone that, that you know, was, is given on loan to Leon or someone that's gone to Real Betis, you know, that then weren't performing for the period they weren't performing. It's the squad depth, and when you look at that subs bench, you know, it's it's not it's not the same as the first eleven. It isn't, and that's why it's very hard for Moyes to change a game when we're not doing well attacking wise because he doesn't have the players. You know, Ings is not. Good enough, Mabama. You know, question marks over him. Um, and so that's why I think you miss a player more than we should do. 
Yeah, I, I I do get that. I think squad depth is is challenging for anyone that that's trying to replace a player that's irreplaceable to West Ham, which is what he's now become. But then these are all, all, all attacking players that we're talking about. You know, would would if we had Pakitar, would we have conceded less goals than the what thirteen in four that we've conceded now? That's oh yeah, I mean it's the defence. Yeah, it's the defence. Well, that's all we're saying, isn't it? The defence is the issue. I mean, Moyes made the right choice, in my opinion, dropping a Gwed. I'm pleased when I when I knew the team, I was pleased he'd done that, and I actually thought Mavropanos played quite well. Um, of course, there's still stuff to do with that defence and you still let two goals in at home so it's not anywhere near perfect but I think Mavropanos did play well Um, I think Emerson I'm happy with Emerson as a left back but we do have to address my priorities as if I was manager would be sorting out that centre back situation and possibly right back as well Um, and um, yeah and I think that's why we shipped those goals but as I said earlier the key is we don't just take this as one game and you know that we've done brilliantly so we're now brilliant we have to build on this and we have to play well against Everton and Burnley and and in the cup as well and kick on now yeah, absolutely, mate. Well, including Jared, there have been seven players to score a hat-trick for West Ham in the Premier League. Tony Cotty in 94, Paul Kitson in 97 and 2001, Marlon Harewood in 2005, Kevin Nolan in 2013, Andy Carroll in 2016 and Mikel Antonio in 2020. So congratulations to Jared Honor. That was one hell of a performance <laughs> last night. Um, <laughs> you've mentioned him there, right? But talking of performances, we have to give a special mention to Emerson because I think he's actually been a revelation for mm. West Ham since we saw yeah. him. And last night he scored an absolute rocket. I mean, what mm. a goal that was, by the way. Yeah. But goal aside, last night he had 90 touches, 19 out of 25 uh, final third passes completed, six ball recoveries, four chances created, which interestingly was the most in the game. Four out of five tackles he won and one assist. Um, and, of course, he scored the goal. Dan Wofferden providing those stats. Does Emerson get the credit he deserves? Because me and you talk him up. But generally speaking, is he underrated at West Ham? <coughs> um, it's hard to know, really, because, obviously... Um... He, he's in a position where you don't steal the headlines, do you? Because you don't score the goals, you don't create, but, oh, you did score the goal yesterday, but you don't usually, and so on. So I don't know what the general feeling is about Emerson. I'd like to think most fans that attend or watch the games, um, on TV or whatever, that can see how good he is. Um, and I would like to think he gets the credit, but perhaps not overall in terms of the football world because I saw an absolutely ridiculous thing the other day some like website or magazine or something had done their worst 11 of the season and they put Ruddy Emerson in it and I was like what on earth are you talking about I know unbelievable unbelievable so he certainly doesn't get the credit of from outside of West Ham I mean for me it's hard this season because obviously Bowen's been as good as he has Kudos has been as good as he has but really for me if I was to I think in terms of consistency, mm. considering he's not really touch wood and I'm touching as much wood as I can, had many injuries as well. <clears throat> I think from from a from a sort of consistency basis, I think Emerson's for me is hammer of the year. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's not a ridiculous statement. I, I think he's been that good, and again, consistency. Um, and there was question marks when he first signed for West Ham. I've yeah, I wasn't sure. Yeah, I was yeah, Mate, like you, I was the same. But he's obviously worked hard. And what I yeah. love about him is, you know, listen, I'm not going to down talk West Ham because I think if if anything, sometimes I'm, I might be guilty of, of thinking that we're bigger than we are. But he's come from Chelsea and he could have just sat on a wage at West Ham and he could have just sort of um, ticked over and plodded along. But he's obviously worked very hard to be the best he can be and achieve something special at West Ham. And that would include maybe addressing some of his defensive, um, not frailties, but vulnerabilities maybe. And, and he, mm-hmm. for me, he's converted himself from a left wing back to a, uh, a fully accomplished left back now. Mm-hmm. And he's really well in that back four. And um, mm-hmm. I think credit where credit's due, he's, he's been brilliant. I, don't, I also don't think enough people 
cross-reference his name with the Conference League final because I think he was the best player in that final. Yeah, I agree. Well. Yeah, um, he, I he agree. stepped up then as well. He offers everything you want in a fullback, mate. You know, you're talking when you talk about great fullbacks. For us, they've always been able to defend, not been shy of a tackle, been solid. You know, offered great, um, you know, back up and defensive <coughs> ability, but also been able to get up the other end and create and score. And as you said in those stats that you read out, look at the assists he's created and then obviously look at the goal he scored you know you're getting that from your left back it is he's brilliant and you know he's an Italian international having been brought up in Brazil so as a defender you know it's almost a perfect combination isn't it maybe a bit of German (laughs) composure in there as well and like you know the British like sort of um, throw your body on the line type thing but yeah obviously Italians are renowned for their defensive ability and obviously Brazilians are known for their technical ability so it's a (laughs) by stereotypical those nations it's a good combination and you don't play as many times as he did for Italy has for Italy and for Chelsea and so on and be a mug and you know I think I think he's a very good signing I'm very happy with him at left back he seems like a good lad another another good thing about him which you know who knows the impact this could have is that him and Pakatar are very very close you know and if Emerson's at the club I think that helps Pakatar be more happy and more settled hopefully as well which obviously is a, an important thing too and I, I thought he was he was really good and I don't know if we're going to come on to it so I'm sorry if I'm going to steal your prompts but I do think two of players that also need recognition um, from yesterday's Ariola because I think he made again mm. some very important saves at crucial moments again and he's shot stopping recently you know even though we've let as many goals as we have in which is a bit of a, an alarming thing to say to praise the keeper during this period has been brilliant and I I give him stick all the time it's only fair that I praise yeah. him <laughs> it's only fair mate when I praise you oh, wow. <laughs> I thought I thought he had a very good game Alex, let me can I just sit down for this bit please? yeah go please continue Mr. Hampton <laughs> <laughs> you or he come on come on speak it down and that's hard for you that's hard you, you or he is uh, played really really well you won a number of interceptions you won a number of headers you were quick in releasing play you put some very good balls out that created um attacking opportunities and I thought it was a very very good game from you Thomas so if you play like that for the rest of the season you and I are going to be best buddies patronizing trick. I'll tell you something. Thank you so much. Your opinion is sucking everything to me. Wow, what a relief. I do agree though. Do you know what is a funny concept? Is how somehow Thomas is always in the background with his podcast, just listening to what the guy's saying. Sometimes you're fancy contributing, sometimes you won't. But Thomas is always here. Is he in your house, my house? I've never seen him him leave. No, neither do I. I don't think I've ever met the guy, but he somehow manages to get on. (laughs) Exactly everything I ever say. And really, Thomas, if you want to bring this up, you should probably be training right now not listening to the podcast <laughs> so if you want to have an issue let's go come on baby yeah, yeah. I think he's got written permission from Moisey to, uh, to uh, be on the when he wants to yeah uh, makes you know, sense. PR with the fans is important as well so he gets yeah. special dispensation is it is that the right uh, word I yeah know. I think I'm so yeah I can spell it but no. yeah. <laughs> so he's, uh, he's always he's always oh. with us bless him um, <laughs> you, um, you, you have alluded to him and his importance but I, I do want to go back to Lucas quickly because yeah he really does just give everyone a lift, doesn't he? And um, yeah. I think collectively we'll feel stronger and more confident when he's on the pitch. He has this aura about him that makes a difference on and off the pitch when players are around him. He brings out the best in everyone else. And it's interesting, actually, because when I hear myself say those words and I look at the certain question marks has been put into place over Kurt Zuma's leadership. Does this actually create an argument for him to take the armband and be the captain mm. for West Ham? It's an interesting thought, and someone actually threw the name Jared Bowen into the same sort of mix with, with the leadership yeah. too, because I actually haven't seen the post-match interview he gave, but apparently he spoke brilliantly after the game as well, and we can all see what a great lad he is as well, and you know, he, he obviously would be loved by all the other players, so you know, you, you could ask about two of them with Lucas it's a difficult one isn't it because 
He does. He obviously fights for the club. He seems to really enjoy playing for the club. Um, and he, it's just for me. Does he have the communication skills? I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like he's, I've seen him speak English and it's adequate. But is it enough to to be able to communicate a message quickly in a game when you need him to? I don't. I don't know. And also for me, I wouldn't want to put any shackles on him. I would want him. I love the fact he's that kind of maverick. You know, quality just oozes class. And if you then give him the responsibility of being captain, would it possibly, you know, take away that element of freedom from him a little bit? So Mm. I don't think I would want him to be captain. It's a good suggestion. And maybe if he felt he wanted to and he was adamant he wanted to, I would certainly consider it. But I wouldn't actively approach him for it. I don't think, no. No, I think because of the influence he has on everyone, that is a massive attribute to have yeah. when you're captain of a football club. But I do agree with what you're saying, and I, I'm not sure I would make him captain. But then again, if I'm taking the armband away, it's an age-old argument that we've had on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Who gets it? Jared is a good shout, but you know, Jared is also, I, I think, a, a quiet lad as well. Mm, yeah. you know, is, he, is he someone that commands and demands respect on and off the pitch as much as everyone loves him? You know, I, 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 how many boxes do we need to tick for a, for a captain? Quite a few, actually, in terms of personality. So I don't know. But um, I thought I'd put it out there as food for thought for people mm, anyway. Mm. Um, but I, I thought Kudos was brilliant as well. I mean, he yeah. had a hand in the second goal. Uh, he provided one of the best crosses you will ever see ever for the third goal. I mean, fuck me, what a cross that was. Yeah, it was and, brilliant. And I just love the way that when you watch him, you constantly think something can happen when he's on the ball. Yeah, I absolutely love watching him play. And um, and you've already mentioned him, and I, and I wanted to come back to him because Dinos has, has had an interesting start to his West Ham career, I think. He's had some good performances and some not-so-good performances. And I think last night, he would have felt a lot of pressure coming into the side for Aguerd. And, and despite a potential question mark over him for their first goal, I think, I think he lacked a little mm-hmm. bit of awareness. Um, yeah. And Mope made a great run, but I think Dinos was, was blind to that and he probably could have done better. I do think, generally speaking, he'd done well. So, I mean, you wouldn't put Knife back in over Dinos on the back of that decent performance, would you? No, I would keep it. I, I think you've got to keep the same team again. You know my philosophy yeah. on this sort of yeah. thing. I, when the team's been playing <clears throat> that badly... And then they've suddenly played that much better. I, I just don't think you can change anything. Obviously, Phillips will be available for the Everton game. But for me, and I, I don't think I would have said this, obviously, a week or so ago, but for me, he doesn't come back in. You, you keep Suchek in there, and Phillips goes on the bench. And, you know, I think... I think you just go exactly as you were. And, uh, you know, you, there's an argument. You could put Zuma wasn't great yesterday, I don't think, either. Mm. And, he, and he's, there's serious question marks over his ability to, you know, play like in certain games, certainly when there's pace and stuff. And I, I, and I you could say maybe have a Gwed and Mavropados together, both, you know, quick, both quite good in the air and stuff, but both prone to a mistake. And, and then obviously you, you lose your captain as well. If you take Zuber out, mm. you could argue, you could argue Johnson for Cheval as well. Cause I think, there's a question mark over Chaffel sometimes, particularly against Pacia wingers. But as I always said, and for those of you that listen way back in the Phoenix FM days, I'm a very, very firm believer on if you've done, if you've played well, unless there's like a you know a massive obvious change to make. You know, if Corday was playing and then Kudos was suddenly fit, you know, you would make that change. But on the whole, because of the way the team played yesterday, I think you've got to go unless there's injuries. Exactly the same team against Everton, and exactly the same start instructions, everything, and just hope the defence the way one criticism, as I said at the start, was a defensive line. If you watch it back, they start <laughs> starting very high press, a higher line. And then as we sort of got the two goals, they almost sort of fell back into that deep line, which is where um, the goal came from. You know, it came from them being sat back quite deep, not closing. And then the first goal was from that. So, yeah, that would be my main thing to say. So is work the defence, keep that high line and the rest. As you were against Brentford, that's how we go against Everton. And I wouldn't change a thing. Mm. Well, I'm sure we can all agree that at the forefront of our emotions last night was relief after mm. that win against Brentford. And no one would have been more relieved than David Moyes. Here's what the gaffer had to say post-match. No, you were asked pretty much what you wanted to see. You said you wanted a performance and a result, and um, you got yeah. both. Yeah, I wanted I wanted us to play to win. 
I think we played quite nice football. We played nice football at Old Trafford. We played not too bad uh, at Nottingham Forest, but we didn't we didn't win and we didn't make enough chances and we didn't take enough chances tonight. I thought we made chances. Jared got a couple of goals. Lucas missed a couple in the first half at the back post with volleys. Uh, Thomas missed a big chance. So I thought we looked certainly more like it tonight. Uh, look, still a lot to improve on, so I'm not not kidding MD on. Uh, but I've got to say it was a huge improvement tonight, and scoring four goals at home was was impressive. You won't have had many teams who've started a game better than we did the first ten minutes. We couldn't yeah. score four or five goals. Well, that's what I'm saying. This is the way we need to we, we need to start the games, and I thought we were. I thought our pressing was very good tonight. I thought we pressed them well. We put them under pressure. I thought our first half performance was much better than than. Uh, didn't generally or most of the second half and I certainly didn't didn't enjoy the last 15-20 minutes not because they came into the game because that might be expected more because we didn't go and you know, get them by the throat and go and score more goals that's what I was wanting us to do If you want chances to fall to players you want to fall to your man who know where the goal is and, and Jared's first career hat-trick you must yeah. be delighted for him I'm thrilled for Jared because uh, no, he's been, he's not he's not had that many chances. He's, he's not maybe been at his best in the last month or so. Actually, with the injury to his ankle, I think really hindered him in coming back, and he's just beginning to find his way again. Uh, and look, he's going to love it when he's got Paqueta and you get kudos either side of you because it you feel as if you've got a chance of getting opportunities to score. Mm-hmm. I thought we made one or two brilliant goals tonight. Mm-hmm. I thought Jared finished them well. I think the second goal was a really good move and the third ball from Kudos to pick Jared out in the middle of the goal was, was excellent so uh, lots of good things tonight Probably four really good goals to be fair t- to yeah. you boss um, yeah. Paqueta's return obviously you know he, we know what, a, what an influence he can have on the team and the balance he gave tonight and, and the combinations with Emerson it just it unlocked us down both flanks didn't yeah. it? I think everybody who's watched his early season of, mm. know of we all sort of had a smile every time sort of Paqueta and Emerson got together and their combinations, and there was there was uh, glimpses of that again tonight a little bit, which was really good to see, because their understanding with each other is so good. But uh, no, I was pleased with Paqueta. I thought he made a big difference to the team, I, I, probably even to the to everybody here as well. You know, everybody was looking forward to getting them back. You mentioned that things have got to continue improving, and as you said, the last fifteen minutes you'd, you'd have wanted a. Let's yeah. manage the game out better. So that's what we we'll have to do when we go to, to Everton on Saturday. Yeah, we do. We will have to manage it out better. We'll need to be much better defensively, better better drilled and organised. Mm. If if we're going to, you know, I'm disappointed that we've lost two goals tonight. That's what I'm disappointed about. The first one, yeah, you can maybe we there's a wee bit of the first one, but the second one, I'm more disappointed because no, it shouldn't have happened. And we we allowed then a little bit of pressure. We had to make a few saves and they missed one or two opportunities, but. Uh, but overall, look, really good result. Brentford have become a little bit of a bogey team for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, look, we've got rid of that and got ourselves a good result. X is Everton next, away from home. Never an easy game. Do you fancy us? On the back of that performance, yes. As I say, if they can replicate that performance, then I think we'll win. The problem I've got, and it's really annoying, because our next two games, Everton and Burnley, Everton have just got their points back, so that's an automatic, not all of them, obviously, but some, that's an automatic boost for them. And then Burnley have just sat their manager, and obviously you <clears throat> tend to get a, a boost when that happens, certainly for the first few games. Ironically, a manager that myself, I'll put my hands up with, but a lot of people. But so, I mean, he was being talked about replacing uh, Pep at Man City at one point, but we were talking about his credentials to be a West Ham manager to replace Moyes obviously he's been sat from Burnley very quickly so it is that kind of question when people said who else is out there he was a name most people spoke about just throwing it out there for debate reasons but this annoying that Everton do have that boost but that said our team if it's all fit and there's no one injured our team should be able to go to Everton at least get a point if not hopefully free Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, 
we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Mm, mm, I hope so. It, it, it always depends what West Ham turns up, doesn't it, really? Yeah. That, that, that is what we've sort of come to expect now, what West Ham is going to turn up. And we know the West Ham that are going to get fuck all out of a game and we know the West Ham that could beat anyone on the planet on their day. Mm. So it really does depend who's going to turn up. It's an interesting one with company, isn't it? I mean, one of the risks that was associated with him when he was smashing it in the championship was when he was linked to other jobs. A lot of people saying, Vincent, you should be taking these fucking offers for Premier League management because yeah. you ain't going to keep Burnley in the league. They're not good enough. And to be fair, if you look at that squad, they're not good enough to, no. to play the Premier League. So actually, company could be a quality manager, but you know, it's only so many miracles you can work, isn't there? You yeah, know true. Mean? Yeah, it's um, a fair point. Mate, and he obviously can't write off his career now based on the fact that mm. he was struggling with Burnley. But, um, you know, it, it's just it's just an interesting thing to, to think. You know, Pochettino was another one that was uh, everyone sort of wanted. He's sort of struggling. Obviously, they're a bit better in the league at the moment, but has been struggling. You know, it's a... It's, it's just something to sort of ponder, but you know, I think, yeah. but you know, I think it's, I think it's well winnable. I mean, something if I, you know, to balance out, as I always like to balance. What another criticism I had of one thing I would say about David Moyes in the win uh, yesterday is sort of they're both related the points, but towards the end, Bowen and Kudos and Packetol, all three of them uh, being dealt with Packetol with Antonio were blowing out their asses. They were massively struggling, mm. um, and that's because understandably they'd worked so hard during the game. So I'm not it's not a criticism of them, but what I would have done, and he did it eventually, of Ben Johnson for Kudos, but I would have taken both of them off a lot earlier particularly when we were you know we were four one up so you've got you've got a, a, a Ollie Skulls on the bench again I know people probably get found me harping on about youth but I think someone's got to do it he could it would have been the perfect game for him to come in um, take off um, you know Kudos or, or Bowen or whatever and have him as the sort of left left winger but sort of using him more because he's more of a sort of left back left left wing back have him to support Emerson defensively and maybe you brought Johnson on um, for Bowen and have him do the same on the right and just shore up at 4-1 and you know we criticise Moyes for not being attacking enough but actually in some ways and I don't want to be sort of you know what you know a case of what do you want but yesterday in some ways I thought it was almost too attacking towards the end with persisting with those players so you know fair enough for him but if you've got George Earthy and Oliver Skiles or you know it's been Lewis Orford in the past and you know one or two others when the game is that even when it was 4-2 with five minutes to go or seven minutes injury time or whatever it was you know sticking one of them on just for five six minutes or whatever it, mm. it means you've given them their Premier League debut which is a massive boost for them in terms of their happiness at the club and whether they see their future there you've also can say yourself as a manager those that criticise him for not playing youth well I've given the Premier League debut to this player this player this player there'd be another one and you know how are they going to ever build up any experience or confidence in the team if they never get on the pitch. So that that would be the only thing that I would have said again about like, what I would have done differently from, from David Moyes. But <clears throat> that said, the one credit to the gaffer as well is that when the chips are down and when things are really turning on him, you know, we talked Fulham away last season, you know, the, the Nottingham Forest game this season and Arsenal and so on, when it's got to its real peak where those fans that go over the top of planning, you know, protests and pitch invasions and all that. He always seems to be able to get the result out of the bag. And that actually is a attribute that should be respected. When the pressure's on, he seems to be able to deliver. Um, and he did again yesterday. Well, it's very true. And to add to that, you know, I myself have, have looked at recent performances and my go-to fault is he's lost the dressing room. The players don't want to play for him anymore. Mm. But then if you look at that performance last night, it didn't look like a group that didn't want to play for him. Uh, so Celebrations didn't suggest well, that either. It, it, exactly. So, it, you know, it is a strange one. It is a roller coaster of emotions with David Moyes, I have to say. Um, mm. I, 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 I honestly, hand on heart, 
don't think there's anything he can do realistically that will make me want him part of West Ham next season. Yeah, and but, I'm not saying I definitely do no, either. For no, I know you don't. No, I know you don't. Um, but, you know, failing a disaster, I just I just don't see how productive getting someone else in on an interim basis probably could could make that much more of a difference. Um, no, and I don't see how... As long as, he's, as long as he's still putting performances together oh, yes. like that. You know, yeah, that's, exactly. that, that's key because if it's if it's just dross and dog shit fucking week after week after week, then you'd have to look at it, <clears> if nothing else, to protect your, your Europa League campaign. Yeah, and, 100%. And, and your sort of European qualification in the Premier League. But if he's still got that in his locker and that shows that the players, you know, do still want to play for him, then, yeah, I mean, you'd take a performance like that, wouldn't you? For sure. Yeah, and that's the thing. And I think most fans would, you know, like, we, we, we say, obviously, fans are negative, and I think generally some are, some are deliberately negative for hits and clicks and whatever you want to call it. But the, mo- the more moderate of fans, shall we say, the more balanced of fan, I think those that have criticised Moyes and have been heavily against him, say, have been more so because of, you know, the start of football and so on. And that's not usually what pundits understand about when they say, oh, West Ham fans shouldn't be critical. I don't think they understand that, you know, and Jamie Carragher got it right last night, to be fair, for those of them that are fans that do criticise Moyes. You know, he said it's not necessarily the results. He's done a good job. But when you've got the likes of Kudos, Bowen, Pacto, etc., why are you not going out and attacking teams well? Mm. Moyes did that yesterday mm. and hopefully he can see the benefits of that and if the team plays like that with that style of performance and so on then I think those fans that are reasonable will say fair enough he's done what I wanted of him now let's back him and if we can get majority of the I mean there's some you will not get on side because they have their uh, agenda and they have their reasons for it but the majority of the fan base if you can just get on side just even to the end of the season now and have a positive atmosphere the the impact that would have on the team and the feel of the place would be so significant and then we address the situation in the summer when we have all the facts and I think that it creates a much more healthier situation for the club going forward and hopefully that's what will happen now and it needs to start at Everton good performance against Everton good performance against Burnley two good performances in the Europa League next stage quarterfinals an interesting draw in that the place does feel a lot lot better and all you have to do as I said earlier is look at the facts look at the league table look at the European draw we are still in a very healthy position Mm. and so we should be with the players we've got I mean this is my frustration with David Moyes and Jamie Carragher's hit the nail on the head and I've said it myself on this show when you've got players like that in the final third why are you not taking the game to the the, the teams that you're playing against. It, it doesn't make any sense. And, you know, I, I, I look at um, Marcelo Bielsa, right? So you've, you've got to get the right balance because Bielsa is a, a legend at Leeds. They absolutely love him there. And he would play very attacking football. His philosophy was if if they score five, we'll score six. I think that's how he tried to um, win games. But what was happening was he wasn't scoring goals and he was shipping a shitload of goals to a point where they were getting tanked on a regular basis. And ultimately, he lost his job. Whereas David Moyes, interestingly doesn't tend to want to go out and attack. He he prioritises not conceding goals, so therefore plays defensively. But with Moisey, he's got that philosophy, but he's shipping goals. So why why not just fucking have a go? If, if you're going to try and yeah. prioritise playing defensively and it's not working and you're still conceding goals, then say, fuck it, that's not working, so let's have a go. And if we concede five, fine, as long as we score six. You know, and but we've got mm. the players to do that. So that is the frustration, I think, with David Moyes. And and maybe, maybe the penny's dropped after conceding mm. this many goals in the last three or four games. Maybe with a few months left of his contract, he thinks, you know what? Fuck it. I've been, I've been, I've been stuck in my ways. We have got the players to have a go. Um, we're conceding goals left, right and centre anyway. So why not just have a go? Let's see how we go against Brentford tonight and look mm. at the result. Yeah, and I agree. And, and you can understand why some fans are <clears throat> critical of Moyes for that. And it's frustrating because, like you say, <clears throat> if he wants to be a defensive manager, then so be it. And we win 1-0 and we get the results. But when we're, like you said, when we're shipping goals anyway, you attack is the best form of defence now. 
now for yes, us. And yes. so we need to go and attack these teams. And hopefully Moyes can sit there and reflect upon that and see, look, you know, right, we let two in this week. We let two in against Forest. You know, we let three in against Man United, six against Arsenal. But the difference is here. In all of those games, we didn't score a single goal. In this game, we scored four. So with those three mm. players, as you said, Kudos, Bowen and Pakatar are not going to make you, they're not going to help you defensively particularly, but they're going to help you massively going forward. And, and that's where he needs to see that that's where our strengths lay. And hopefully... Like that's how he approaches the games going forward. I mean, even if you just look at it at the league table and, you know, Everton and Burnley and so on, and even Newcastle, you know, Newcastle are, are coming up and they're below us and have been off form. These teams, their defence is not as good as our attacking players. So let's let our attacking players get at them. Yeah, spot on. And you said it there as well, in terms of playing to your strengths. I think sometimes people try and apply too much science to football. But actually, when you strip it back and apply some basic logic, it is just playing to your strengths. And we recently have been analysing West Ham defensively and highlighting, actually, defensively, we're quite vulnerable. So why make that the mainstay of your strategic game plan? If Mm. If you're vulnerable defensively, then make your game plan be based around your attacking strengths Mm -hmm. because that is our strength and that would be playing to our strength if we did that. We did that against Brentford. Look at the result. But when when you've got weaknesses defensively and your game plan is to be defensive, it's never going to end well. And and also your attacking players are going to get the ump because we've got Mm -hmm. players that want to play. So do you know what? And, And again, you talk about the frustrations with David Moyes. There's so much going for this football club. So much going for it. You know, we have got a passionate fan base. We have got a big stadium. We are playing European football. We have got world-class players. I just think with a few tweaks around the management and the, the, the strategy and the way that we play our game and the way that we approach certain, well, not certain, every football club that we come up against, and if we can get the recruitment right in the summer, why can't we be one of the big boys knocking on Champions League football or even be in and around that that fourth, that top four spot? You know, why, why not? Why not? Mm. If we get it right, why not? And we keep yeah. our top players as well, of course. You know, yeah. there's no yeah. reason why not. We no. tick all those boxes. No, we just got to get why, that why, I'm not being funny, mate. Why are fucking Tottenham doing it? Yeah. Season, <laughs> season now, and we're not. Why are they that much different to us? No, we've got to just get that defence sorted though, and more squad depth. I mean, when you yeah. look at the, when you look at the squad next year, we're going to struggle for domestic quota because if you think about it like this, and I want to talk about this more in my section, so I'm not going to give too much away, but potentially leaving. You know, and homegrown. You know, you got Cresswell, you got Ben Johnson, you got Danny Ings, you got Mabama. That's four. Um, mm. You've already lost Connor Coventry. That's five. Um, who else am I missing? Someone else? English, British, homegrown. Well, that's five anyway. And we had, and we had um, we had a low quota as it is. So he's gonna have to he's gonna have to strengthen with British players, and they're more expensive. Or he's gonna have to start trusting the academy players because he's mm. not gonna have enough to he's not gonna have enough to actually fill the quota at the moment. So you know he's got <laughs> he's got he's got a big dilemma on his hands if he does stay as manager. You know, and and I think. Mm. Liverpool versus Chelsea was an interesting game because it was a good mm. game actually and yeah, Liverpool good. yeah Liverpool ended up putting on by the end of the game going into the fact that he was potentially looking at penalties on the pitch I can't remember how many it was but it was about five or six of them were all academy players that mm. academy that academy team were not as good as West Ham's you know, so if Liverpool mm. can trust them, then why can't West Ham? <laughs> That's a really good point, X. That's yeah, a really so, good point. So we've got to look at those players. We've got to start thinking that actually they're the future. And another thing I'll talk about in my section is what I was told by the the person that would you would listen to on these things about our wages. They want to sort of look at the wage situation. So again, you're going to get better. Um, you know, representation for lower wages with younger players that haven't established themselves. So it's something that Moyes has definitely got to start considering very, very quickly. And in terms of recruitment, we're going to have to start thinking about players that have potential to grow and get better or be developed um, going forward as well. Because, you know, even if you throw in, although he's not homegrown, you throw in Ogbonna, you know, he's going to potentially be leaving as well. You know, and he's someone that's been there a while. Antonio, that's another homegrown one. 
Yeah, yeah. you know, so there's a the squad in the summer has got a lot of rebuilding to do. And, you know, if you can keep Kudos, Pakatar and Bowen, you don't need to focus on those attacking threes that you maybe do for in terms of squad depth and who's going to come in for them. You've got to focus on the other positions in the midfield generally with Alvarez and, you know, Ward Prowse and, <coughs> and a, a couple of others around is okay, but that defence needs looking at definitely. And, um, mm. yeah, it's a, it's an interesting time, but Moyes definitely has to get his, um, his strategy right. And why, why would you? I mean, honestly, like, when you think about it, given the choice, yeah, given the choice of being a team that is defensive and wins games maybe 1-0 or on the counter-attack or is attacking and wins games 4-2, 4-3, the ultimate outcome is a win either way. Why would you not choose the the more attacking style anyway? Because it gets the fans on side. It's more entertaining to watch. You know, I don't mm. understand why you wouldn't go down that route anyway. If you're, and particularly if your attack is stronger than your defence anyway, in terms of personnel. Yeah, I know. And I think this is why people get so frustrated, X, because it, not only is it not making sense that he sticks with that option, but it's also fucking painfully boring to watch. And it's painfully it's not boring to watch. Either. <laughs> and that's the point. It's painfully boring to watch, but it isn't working and we're not mm. getting results. And that's mm. why people are screaming from the fucking rooftops, I think, you know? Yeah, and I agree with that. Room. And then a top, this is where he really can show whether he's a top manager or not, because a top manager can adapt to different situations yeah. and with different players. I mean, as much as people criticize Sam Allardyce, yeah, he was boring at times. And certainly at West Ham, there was periods that, that were. But he used to be able to go into clubs, as he's been shown, in a relegation zone with a different range of players and get them to play. And obviously he got appointed England manager, which he fucked up, you know, through off the pitch stuff and that. But he 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 was able to get the best out of what he had. Um, and that makes him a top manager. The same as like other managers that have gone around and done well at other clubs because they can pick up what they've got and get the best out of them. You know, people say Allardyce was boring manager, but when he had a good team at Bolton, he had the likes of Anelka, Jukov, Omakocha, you know, various Brazilians came into that team, you know, various French internationals and so on. They were actually an exciting team to watch Bolton when he had the right personnel to do it. And he was only he was only <coughs> boring when he didn't perhaps have the same talent in the squad. So Moyes now, in order to really show whether he's a good manager or not, he could, should be able to hopefully adapt his style um, and and change what we have going going forward from this point. And we will see at the end of the season whether he's capable of doing that and whether he is a good manager or whether he is a dinosaur that's stuck in his ways. And I think this is a, a crucial point for him to, to prove to those people that he's a good manager. Mm. Do you know what I found fascinating? Did you see the interview with him when he got asked a question about his future and his contract at West Ham? No. Right, okay. Uh, Sorry, have that killed the discussion? Yeah, it did a little you bit. Can tell, you, can tell, you, can tell, you can tell me what he said. Yeah, I mean, because I probably should have prepared some audio for this, for the podcast, really. But he, he, he basically said that the club have tabled a contract to him. Mm. And it's up to him whether he signs it or not. Oh, and right. Yeah, taken, no, I know that. Yeah. So, and he was saying that he was taking his time um, making that decision. And uh, he's in no rush. The boy's in his call. And, and he's kind of alluding to the fact that he's got a black and white document in front of him mm. that he can sign any time and he's committed to the club. But he's not. He's taking time to 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 see what's best for him and his family. And I just wanted to get your take on that because I'm no body language expert. But I was watching that interview and I was thinking, and I could be a million miles off here, by the way, but I was thinking, to me, he looks like a man that is enjoying saying that because uh, during a difficult time at West Ham, he probably feels like he's lost a bit of control. In saying that, he's gaining that control back and he's saying, I'm the boss and I make the decision. But then at the same time, I don't know. Again, I could be a million miles off, but there was a little bit of an undertone of, I'm going to do really well this season and then I'm going to fuck West Ham off and get another job somewhere. 
And I don't know if you you felt the same, but that's how it kind of came across to me. I think it was a dig at the fans, one hundred percent. And yeah, yeah, for, yeah. Uh, so I, I followed up with this, and I, I put a little post on Patreon during the week. But I, my understanding of it is there is a, there has been, and as I've always reported on this podcast, there has been discussions about a future deal for him going beyond this season. There has been discussions, however, they have stipulations within that you know at not one point has he been told right there's a contract sign it whenever you want i believe <coughs> sorry he's been told that at the end of the um season they will look at the contract that's been discussed with him um and decide whether it is put in front of him again to sign because that will depend on how well west ham have done um for the remainder of the season so i i don't think it's literally him like going, oh, I'm going to sign it, or no, I'm not going to sign it, or like that, you know, I think, <laughs> I think I think the contract is provisionally sort of agreed almost if he is to then have it put back in front of him, but I don't think it is there for him to sign whenever he wants. And when I followed this up with the club, they basically confirmed what I'm saying there, as in like it's 50% true what he said. Yes, the contract has pretty much been agreed, but that's agreed on the assumption that we have a good remainder of the season. Of course, if West Ham had have lost yesterday and then lost against um, Everton and then lost against Burnley and then got kicked out of Europe, that contract would not have been offered to him for next season. So I think he almost did it as a bit of a two fingers up to the fans mm. as if to mm. say, look, you guys are saying you want me out and you hate me. I've got a deal. So shut the, F up, basically. Um, yeah. I think that was his way of doing it. And it's interesting because a couple of journalists contacted me during the week to discuss this. Well, journalists that I respect and get on with. And we all came to that same assumption that it was basically uh, his way of saying to the fans that you might not like me, but the club love me and I'll, but and I'll make the decision whether I stay or not. Almost like I'm mm. better, I'm better than you type mm. thing. Mm. And it's a bit antagonistic, which. Yeah can often be his style, which he needs to be careful that because when you're like that, it might work when things are going well, but when things go against you, then people are quick to get rid of you, aren't they? So, yeah. Well, I tell, I've got to be honest as well. I was watching that thinking, firstly, surely Sullivan hasn't given him a black and white no, he hasn't, no. uh, But the fact that Moyes pretty much alluded to the fact that he had made me think I'd be fucking fuming if I was DS. And he, yeah. that, and he said that publicly because at a time where it's so toxic and uh, most of that toxicity is being thrown at David Moyes, if I'm DS, he's fucking thrown me under a bus there and he's made me feel like I don't know what the fans want. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm going to get a, a long-term commitment from a man that the fans want out. The so only I'd thing be that, fucking fuming if he said that, you know? Yeah. I, and I think he was about, uh, was put out, by it, but what he's probably thinking is at the end of the day, he wants this manager, David Moyes, to turn around the situation at the football club. And if that means almost saying to the players, to the fans, look, I've got a commitment. So basically just get on with it now. Stop all this, you know, Moyes out business and just get on with it. If that brings some kind of stability and unity to the team, then Sullivan's probably taken one for the team, so to speak, in the sense that he's probably thought, you know what, at the end of the day, if he does do rubbish, I will be able to get rid of him. So I'll be able to show the fans I'm not that stupid anyway. But if he turns it around, then happy days type thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the Europa League draw, it seemed to me like it took an age to arrive, didn't it? The Europa League draw. I think yeah. because we're all excited as to who we're going to get. Um, mm. But we know the answer now um, because we've been drawn against Freiburg in the last 16 of the competition. How do you feel about getting them both as an opponent <laughs> an opponent, and as an away day? So it's a very split appealing of mine. I must admit, of all the teams, the only other one I didn't want more was Carabag. And that was, and that was because <laughs> I thought we could beat them don't get yeah. me wrong i thought they're the weaker team in it but trying to plan the journey to go to that game in azerbaijan <laughs> like of all places is like the most ridiculous thing to have yeah. To do. yeah and and i was just thinking oh my god because uh, we would have gone 
But I was just thinking, my God, like, how, mm. how are we going to do this? I didn't even consider Freiburg for some reason in my head. Uh, and I think it's because I read an article that was wrong. I didn't realise we could actually get them until I actually... No, I didn't. Uh, no, until I researched it the night before. And then, because I hadn't really researched Freiburg, I'd, I'd, I'd worked out where we were going to go in Milan, where we were going to be in Rome, where we were going to be in um, Lisbon and so on. I hadn't really planned the Freiburg one. Then when I went to look at it, there's no direct flights to... to um, to Freiburg, the closest airport is Basel in Switzerland. So immediately, you know, I'm on holiday trying to travel back from it. I've got the wife to drive and I'm sitting there on my phone <coughs> and I'm on EasyJet and Skyscanner and all those sorts trying to get the tickets. And every time I go to click on it for Basel, it's like, there are eight left, there are six left, there are four left. I'm thinking, yeah. just give me, just give me mine. And um, <laughs> it wouldn't work. And so in the end, I was like, oh, what do we do now? And then I worked out, as you know, like that Zurich is actually a possibility. It's further, but there's actually a train from Zurich to Freiburg. Takes just under two hours. They're quite frequent, like four or five times an hour. So it's actually not too hard to get to Zurich. And I've never been to Switzerland. So now the the away day has been made a bit more exciting by the fact that we're staying in Zurich um, and we're getting the train to the game and the train back. So I'll be able to have a few beers as well, which I don't always get to have um, when we get to go to Switzerland. So... The away day is a bit more exciting because of that. But yes, in terms of excitement of all the teams we could have got, there's a team that we've already played twice. Um, and so we would see four times by the end of this season. And I was thinking to myself, have we obviously in the days when you'd get cup replays, when it'd go like 10 times until you got a winner, it would have been a case then. But in recent years, have we played a team more than four times in a season? I, I, I don't know. I mean, we might have had... I remember playing Arsenal <coughs> in the Cup twice, didn't we? In, what, 1998, something like that, when they beat us on penalties and knocked us out the other one. Um, so maybe them, Ooh. then, you know, Manchester United, we seem to always have in the Cup at some point. So maybe them as well, um, if we'd gone to a replay. But certainly four times against a German side that's not particularly exciting. I was like, oh, God, I, I, I wanted Milan or I wanted Roma. I wanted either of the Portos, uh, either of the Lisbon teams. <clears throat> but we haven't got it. But on the flip side, we've beat them twice. We've beat them home. We've beat them away. We can beat them again. And if anything, I'd like to get us to the quarterfinals. And it's an exciting journey now that we've got. So I'm actually mm. on the whole, now that I think about it, I'm actually quite pleased. And we've yeah. got to look to win those games because we've done it twice before. So why can't yeah. we do it again? Yeah, uh, there's there's absolutely no reason why the expectation, not hope, but the expectation should be that we beat them. Yes. So I, 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 I echo what you're saying, by the way. I think, you know, throwing Switzerland into the mix is, is going to make that really enjoyable. And I'm looking forward to that. And it's a nice opportunity for the West Ham fans who wanted to go to Freiburg to actually go there now yeah. because of the band obviously last time that we went yeah. there so um, the only other so, thing was the draw. The only other thing was the draw. I would have liked, you know, it to be a bit more of the bigger team versus the other big teams. Like, you know, I would have liked Liverpool to have got Milan, for example, or yes, Roma. Yes. I would have liked one of those stronger teams. I think the strongest mm. game from memory might be Villarreal versus. Marseille or one of the Lisbon teams can't remember who but I think there's one draw that's quite a good one in terms of two big teams but the other ones I thought oh it's a shame like, almost like the, the strongest teams have all been kept apart almost and you mm. know full well what um what would be the ideal final for UEFA probably is Not Liverpool yet. versus Milan you know, yeah. a repeat of the, yeah. you know, those Champions League finals and stuff. So we got to be. It wouldn't surprise me if those two teams just didn't draw each other. But we shall, we shall see. Yeah, it's very true. I'm just looking at the draw now, actually. So you've got Marseille versus Villarreal. There you go. That's a tough. Um, that's a big one. Yeah, Roma, Brighton. Yeah, I guess you could argue that. Yeah, because Brighton are. Are, you know, bogey side of us apart from this season. So, yeah, yeah then, yeah. But, good. but otherwise, yeah, otherwise, I think you're right. Um, I mean, when it comes to Freiburg, they're not actually having the best of times with it at the moment. They haven't won in five games. They've lost 10 games this season. They sit ninth in the Bundesliga. 
Uh, so, I mean, I never know if it's a good time to play a team like that or a bad no, team, to be yeah. honest. But, um, no, the expectation should definitely be that we win that game. And if we do, over two legs, then, of course, we're in the quarterfinal. And whilst it's, it's been so hard to win that competition this season, you mm. can then start to dream, though, can't you? Because when you hear the words quarterfinal, you, you can almost see the finish line. And, um, yeah, well, look at the... It starts to get exciting. Look at the previous one when we were in it before the quarterfinal, oh. you know, Leon, you know, it was unbelievable, wasn't it? Oh, so, it was. yeah, so hopefully. And I mean, to be fair, those teams left, you know, obviously Liverpool are stronger than us. Brighton, I think we are stronger than Milan will possibly. I mean, there are teams stronger than us, but there's no, they're not massively stronger than us. You know, you look at mm. Milan's team, for example, you know, Milan are a good team. They're my Italian team, but they've got, um, Tamori and Loftus Cheek, you know, to to basically Chelsea um, rejects as their yeah. as their as their um, better players. So you know, you look at it like that, and you think, well, actually, on paper, are we as strong as them? And you know, in the Serie A, they're third, which you know is obviously good, but you know, they're not they're they're not. Juventus or Inter, Inter Milan that are that are ahead in the league, and then Atalanta and Roma are sort of fifth and sixth. So, mm. and the Italian league, what is on is probably not as strong as the Premier League now. So, mm. in theory, you could argue we should be able to give it at least a good account of ourselves against any of those teams that are that are left now. But time will tell, I guess. Mm. Right, it's that time again. Call it all West Ham fans. Are you a patron? of the West Ham way. If not, why not? For the price of a point, you get top quality content on a daily basis to include the famous West Ham way podcast with Dave and X. Over a hundred interviews with ex-players and celebrity fans. Mad Dog Bites with Martin Allen. A show with Tony Cotty. The U Irons podcast. The West Ham way USA. A transfer window show with Demis Chef. An expert pre-match analysis. There are virtual events with ex-players, written articles, match day discussion, away day burger reviews, in-depth match reports, and if you want to be the first to get reliable, accurate, exclusive news on all club affairs, you'll get exactly that from the best ITK in the business, ex-West Ham United employee. All that and more delivered to your phone for a fiver a month. It's the daddy. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.